This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. Wouldn't you love to know more about how to have an eco-friendly, sustainable pet brand? We hear so much about how we need to be kind to the environment and we need to be doing all of these things to be sustainable and to be environmentally friendly and sometimes it can be really overwhelming. There are so many things that we feel like we need to do but we don't know where to start. I've been wanting to tackle this topic for a long time on the podcast and today I'm speaking to Joe Baker who is a sustainability expert. So Joe has worked with huge corporate organisations helping them be more sustainable and environmentally friendly. So not just when it comes to the environment, being financially sustainable, ethically sustainable, and also being socially sustainable as well. So looking at human rights as well as packaging and the other things that we associate with sustainability. In this podcast, Joe is talking all about how you can be more sustainable as a small business owner. And the really great thing I love about what she has to say is that you don't have to do everything. You don't have to be vegan. You don't have to be plastic free. You don't have to tick all of the boxes, which I feel so many pet businesses put pressure on themselves to do. She talks about how you can do small things that will make a difference and educate and inform your customers. You can't do it all, but you can do your bit. And she talks about how you can go about creating a more sustainable pet brand without stressing yourself out of your mind. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I love talking to Jo. She shares so much helpful information and all of her contact details are available at the end of the episode as well. So do let me know how you find it and do get in touch with Jo as well if you you would like some more advice on being more sustainable. Now for the main part of the show. So hi Jo, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Hi there. Yeah, glad to be here actually. <laughs> oh, thank you. So can you tell people listening a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Jo um, and I run Collar Club, which is a sustainable subscription box for dogs. Um, so what that means is uh, we have customers who sign up for our product um, and we deliver regular bo- boxes of goodies. So it can be a mixture of treats, toys, chews um, and products like that, um, which all have a either sustainable kind of credentials or have been ethically sourced. So my background and my day job um, is in ethics and sustainability. Um, so that was something that I really wanted to kind of be quarter to what Collar Club is. So yeah, um, it's really flexible. Customers are able to pick kind of things that suit them. So whether they want the boxes every month or whether they'd want them kind of less frequently, um, we can exclude allergies for dogs. Um, and also we offer a tougher toy option because I know some dogs don't get along with, with plush toys. So yeah, that's Collar Club kind of in a nutshell. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. My dog is definitely one of those dogs that does not get <laughs> on with plush toys. They last about two minutes. So uh, yeah, he needs tough it. stuff. <laughs> I mean, refer to them as uh, dogs that like to create fluff trophies because they leave yeah. all their kind of victors around the house for you. <laughs> oh my gosh, definitely. And yeah, Christmas boxes usually have those plush toys or Christmas Christmas presents usually have those plush toys. Oh yes. Your boxes. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's lots of like snow all over the house whenever we have, <laughs> we have plush toys at Christmas. Yeah. So tell us a bit about your background then, because you're the reason why I was looking to speak to somebody about sustainability and yeah. how to how to go about setting up a sustainable pet brand, which is what this podcast is all about. And I've known we've chatted for a long time, haven't we? We um, have. But, 
Um, and I remember you telling me about your background, but can you just explain a little bit about your background? I can, in yes. And sustainability? So I have worked in kind of all aspects of what you would class as ethics and sustainability. So most people will know of sustainability as being kind of an environmental initiative. So I predominantly actually work in social sustainability, which is more to do with kind of the human rights um, aspect of, of sustainability. So looking after the people in the supply chain. So in my, me, in my old day job, I would uh, visit factories. I would make sure that their working conditions were suitable, you know, that they weren't working really long hours, that it was safe for them um, and then in kind of previous lives I've worked in the environmental side so um, I used to work as a packaging buyer which was really interesting so working on the removal of single-use plastics from packaging ranges looking for alternatives kind of in a retail environment back of house so some of the odd things that I've had to kind of resource were things like umbrella covers single-use umbrella covers or single-use garment carriers that kind of thing um, and it's really just gone on from there so I started with the environmental stuff I've moved into social and now I do a bit of both with Collar Club. Mm -hmm. Brilliant okay so tell us about Collar Club and how it all came about like where did the idea come, come from? So Collar Club was really a kind of this is really bad isn't it to admit this it was the second idea I had so the first um, subscription box I, idea that I had was to do a natural beauty brand so mm -hmm. I was I'd, I, I like using natural beauty products and I thought oh my goodness that'd be great if there was a subscription box you know this was around the time that kind of um, not barn box what are they called uh, beauty pie not beauty pie yeah. anyway all those kind of brands were getting um getting kind of fame and fortune for for their subscription box so um glossy box that's what i'm thinking of so i just thought well why not do that but for you know natural products and i spent loads of time it must have been i don't know probably eight or nine months researching brands and what i was going to do and how i was going to work it and after that i just I was exhausted. I'm going to be honest, Rachel. So sustainability yeah. is, is so holistic. And when you try and take into consideration all of those aspects, it, it can become quite restrictive. And I realized that if I was to stick to my guns in terms of, you know, what I wanted from the brand, I was going to be really limited on the companies that I could use to put product in the box. So I kind of shelved it and I thought, right, I'll just leave that. And that was about kind of the October, November time. And then that was it, really. I kind of thought, oh, well, maybe I won't start a business just yet. And then in January, I got Winston. So Winston is my my colleague dog. Um, and he was rehomed at seven months. So when we got him, he was, you know, he'd just come from a home that that couldn't really look after him through no fault of their own. They had two, two small children. And he came to us and was the most spoiled dog ever, which I'm sure lots of pet parents can relate to. So I spent hours upon hours <laughs> on the internet looking for, you know, dog nutrition, um, ethical treats, stuff that was high quality, you know, all the things that I'd kind of looked for in the beauty brands, but for dogs. So I kind of got to a point where I was like, I love all these brands. I love all these products. I wonder if I put them in a box, <laughs> could that be a business? And that's really kind of how it come about. So it was a bit of a happy accident, really. Um, but it's just gone on from there. Wow. Okay. So how long ago was it that you, you that, that you got Winston and the, the wheels were set in motion? It was kind of a quick turnaround, really, because I'd done all of the research with the original brand. I kind of got Winston in January. And then I think the first boxes went out in it might have been I can't remember if it was 27 or 2018 2018 so um yeah it was about a year I think before the the kind of 
whole concept was finalised, all the mock-ups were done, all the branding, um, and the first boxes for Collar Club, and I should know this off the top of my head, went out in May 2018. Wow, okay. So just over three years. Okay, and when you put together your boxes for Collar Club, um, tell me the kind of things that you consider. So I know you've talked about your background and stuff, but like kind of in layman's terms as well, what kind yeah. of things do you look for? So to me, sustainability is, like I said, it's it's a holistic um aspect so it can be anything from how the products are sourced so for example I have a range of own label treats and what's really important to me on them is the traceability so I can I can ask my manufacturer who I deal with direct what farm this particular you know meat has come from which proves that you know it's it's low in kind of air miles or carbon footprint um, and it's got kind of that reassurance on animal welfare so all of these kind of things tie into sustainability um, the definition of sustainability is that something is can be can continue without depleting ex- additional uh, existing resource sorry so the idea and if you think about it in times of finance it's something needs to be financially sustainable it needs to be able to to go and go and go and it's the same principle with ethical or environmental sustainability so I look at that for kind of food products animal welfare traceability making sure that you know I know where the ingredients are coming from and then from a packaging perspective which is probably what most people um, are familiar with with sustainability so mm-hmm. no plastic is is brilliant but that's only one aspect of of yeah. packaging um so looking for compostable products looking for those with no packaging because actually packaging is a bit wasteful it's not really needed so you know seeing which companies are, are, are trimming down or changing their ranges and then one company that I've worked with has recently just moved from a plastic pouch which wasn't recyclable to a composted pouch and I was like yay that's amazing because now I can use your your products all the time um, so looking at the packaging and then also the materials within the product. So this is probably more um, relevant for toys. So what materials they're, they're made of. So it can either be that they're natural materials. Um, and in that case, I'd look for certifications to kind of, you know, confirm that the materials are what they say they are. So wood, for example, has different um, they're called stewardship um certifications that that you can look at to say that is a sustainable forest that that wood has come from um or for example it can be stuff that's upcycled so a lot of brands now we're using um either reclaimed sea plastic recycled plastic bottles that kind of thing to create fillers and stuffing um so yeah there's lots of different things that you can look at to for, for products to be sustainable or a better choice um and i know that mm-hmm. you, you wanted to talk about greenwashing and i think that's probably quite a nice one to lead on to from that <laughs> from what i yeah. was saying there definitely i think um i went to an event it's probably getting on for like two years ago now and it was I think it was like Pets and Money or um, something like that. I know it was a big, it was a big event in London. And one of the talks there was about greenwashing in the pet industry. And yeah. because being environmentally friendly, eco-friendly, sustainable, all those, you know, we've got all these buzzwords, haven't we? we People do. are trying to jump <laughs> on it. And that's fine. But um, there was a big talk about greenwashing. Um, and it was around, it was around like people, like, no, I'm not talking about anyone specific, but it was around like, you know the packaging being being eco-friendly or you know recyclable but then the food the food that's in there being really unkind to the environment because it's you know 
beef or something like that well not yeah. just because it was beef but because you know cows are pumping out loads of gases into the ozone layer and no, indeed what you take with one what you give with one you take away with the other and it's 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 a bit of a minefield really isn't it like you've got the background I think yeah. if I was to try and start a sustainable pet brand I'd just well I'd just ring you but I would not know where to start it would be <laughs> horrendous but no. yeah so talk to me about greenwashing and, and how aspiring pet brands I guess can yeah to avoid so- this so greenwashing to me is is an awful term that has been used as it's it's effectively another marketing term to describe or chastise brands and in some cases quite rightly so where you have large corporate companies that have budgets and departments so to put it into context of the company that I used to work for you know they used to have a team of 12 to 15 people whose jobs it were to look at you know ethics and sustainability yeah. for companies of that size with departments of that size you're right they should be on point they should be looking at this in all aspects whether it's product whether it's packaging whether it's their social initiatives they should be on it but for smaller brands I think it's really important that actually just transparency and acknowledgement of what you're trying to do is more important and actually if you're open and honest with your customers which I hope people think that I am that you know not perfect we're trying to improve. This is what we've done so far. This is how we're going to try and improve. Have you got any suggestions? Because again, it's it's sustainability is one of those things, like you say, you can do something which you think is really great, but actually then there's a piece of research or there's an article or a journal that says, hmm, actually what, you, what you're doing isn't great. To give an example in point, I don't know if you've seen about kind of bamboo cups recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually it, it's transpired that the material that is used to bind the bamboo within bamboo cups is actually quite dangerous. Um, so that it kind of negates the, you know, the positive impact of using kind of bamboo cups and plates and stuff like that. So it's, it's it, greenwashing is um, definitely a thing and it's definitely something you should be aware of. But I think that with smaller brands, as long as you're transparent, that's mm-hmm. that you aren't and you're not trying to deceive your audience or your customer base, you, you're not greenwashing. You know, yeah. if you have made a change to your packaging, sing about it, tell yeah. people, ask them and say, well, what else could we do um, to, to improve our kind of sustainability credentials? Do you have any ideas? Um, and I think there's so many ways that small businesses can can be sustainable and I actually in some respects thinks it's easier for a small business to be sustainable Um, and I say that because as a sole business owner I have sole control over what my business is doing you know I get to make all the choices about what um, couriers I use how I offset my carbon what packaging I use what what products I do and don't include in the boxes so I have all that flexibility, whereas when you're in a big corporate environment, it's a lot of, you know, external factors to control. So for a small business, I'd say just do some research and see, you know, what areas of of sustainability you're interested in as a business. Um, Make maybe one, two or three goals. Um, Don't try and spread yourself too thin because you're not going to be able to, to tackle it all at the same time so prioritize what you and your customers think is the most important and you know as I said I've, I've worked in the industry and I've seen consumer trends in, and it sounds really really sad but it but it's true you know consumers are 
will change their um what's the word I'm thinking of the most important kind of aspect to them yeah. depending on what's on the news and I, I I always joke that actually I love David Attenborough I hate David Attenborough <laughs> because <laughs> when, when Blue Planet came out it was all about yeah. plastics yeah. It, you know everyone forgot about the fact that there's hundreds of thousands of people on the other side of the world working in god-awful factory conditions it was all about plastic getting rid of straws you know and and while that does have merits there are bigger or equally as important factors at play in sustainability and maybe we should focus our attention more broadly across the spectrum rather than on just one kind of solitary issue mm-hmm. um it was quite interesting you said earlier about beef and beef not being sustainable so i've recently joined the pet sustainability coalition And one of the facts that they gave us was about the percentage of meat in the States. So they're predominantly based in the US now, but they are starting to expand into Europe. But it was in the 20s. I want to say it was around 24, 25% of all of the meat or beef grown in the States is for pet food. And that is just the carbon footprint of that is absolutely astronomical. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, it's huge, isn't it? Um, and again, I did kind of, I did pluck that out of thin air. I'm sure that's what I remember somebody talking about. It was beef, but that's that's me talking as a consumer. And some yeah. not absolutely, you know, this is sustainability. I have very limited knowledge of, which is why I'm talking to you. So, so yeah, it's it's interesting because I think at this event they were talking a lot about insect food, and that's we're seeing a lot more of that coming through yeah. now, aren't we? Absolutely, um, insect absolutely. protein looking at different protein sources basically that are less resource intensive so beef is a good example they are resource intensive they emit um lots of uh harmful gases themselves um they require a lot of food which means that there's a lot of energy required in growing that food in harvesting that food in providing carting transporting that food and but also you with sustainability you can always go back another step so then you start to think about what was the land before it became land to grow food for cows you know was it trees have we deforested that area to allow cows to graze or to allow corn to be grown or maize or I don't know what cows eat but I'm just you know theorizing um and it's those kinds of uh questions that as a business owner you need to be asking and going okay well I've sorted the final product and the packaging so let's go the next step back let's think about what's in the product and then you can go okay well is that the most sustainable material for the product or is there something I can do to change that so yeah it's um it's a really interesting rabbit hole but like I said you just need to prioritize one or two things that are really important to you Um, and and there's some good tools for that these days so I'm part of the Pet Sustainability Coalition and as part of my um, membership one of the things that they do is they allow you to use um, a tool called the SDG Action Plan which stands for the Sustainable Development Goals and what that is is 17 different goals which relate to environmental, social, economic sustainability and basically working through those to find out which three are most important to Collar Club. So I haven't done that yet, I'm on it, I'm working through them Um, and that will help me as, as a business owner have guidance and also goals as to what I want to achieve with my business and I really recommend that if you want to familiarize yourself with um, kind of sustainability and all the different aspects of sustainability, um, that's a really good thing to look at. And you can look at that on the United Nations website. Brilliant. I'll put, I know you, you sent me over some links already, but I will put the links to um, anything that Joe refers to in the show notes. So you can go and, if you're listening, you can go and check them out. Yeah. 
I was going to say, actually, um, it's really, really good chatting to you because I've got a few people who I've worked with and I'm working with who've got sustainable brands. And when you said about the little, the part that you said about picking two or three key values and areas to focus on, I think that's such good advice because, oh my gosh, as you say, when you work for a big corporate corporate organisation, you've got teams, you've got like a cast of thousands to help you with this stuff. But yeah. when you're a one man or one woman band, <laughs> just trying to do your bit, I think sometimes people will people get tied up in knots and you want to make these claims that you're doing everything right. And actually just say, you know what, I'm a small brand, I'm trying to do this right. Um, you know, I'm open to suggestions. We, I'm just looking at my notes, you know, we're trying to do, you know, we're trying to be as sustainable or as environmentally friendly or as eco-friendly, however you want to phrase it as we, we are, but, you know, we'd love to have your feedback as well. These are the things that we focus on rather than thinking I've got to be vegan, I've got to be, I've got to yeah. be recyclable, I've got to be compostable, I've got to tick all these boxes because it, it's impossible, isn't it? it? It is impossible and it it can be really overwhelming when you first kind of, you know, get invested in sustainability and you can try to address all of those things and actually I've had someone ask me if I was going to do a vegan collar club box and you know while I'd love to that's that that was another kind of set of of ethics and morals and sustainability I was like I just don't think I'm quite ready to do that and also quite controversial if you you know yeah. consider the opinion on whether dogs should be vegan so it's it's being clear with yourself what you can take on what you you know you understand what you know you can change um and not trying to to change the world at once um I've been there I've done that <laughs> and sadly 10 years in in sustainability has, has definitely taught me that one person can't make a change but actually lots of people making change makes a massive difference so if you can educate your customers, and I think that's a really important piece as well as to why it's important for them to, whether, you know, reduce their plastic consumption, have insect-based proteins, um, choose toys that are made from sustainable materials, whichever, you know, which whatever your strategy is, whichever one you go on, that will help. And they will then take that knowledge. So we were joking about the beef stat, but that's exactly what we want to happen is people to remember yeah. these statistics and go, oh yeah, actually the next time they buy a dog toy and be like, yeah, I'm going to buy one that's got recycled plastic inside it because, you know, that's, that's good for the environment. Um, so it's, it's a slow process, but it's definitely gathering momentum now. And I mm -hmm. think from when I first started, you know, I remember in my first role, I had to ring some pretty big brands um, to, to ask them what their kind of sustainability and ethical programs were. And I used to have people laugh at me. Like it was just like not something that they they did. They were like, oh, we don't have a team for that. We don't even have a person for that. Do you want to speak to HR? And I'd be like, yeah, okay, just put me through to whoever. <laughs> um, so it's really lovely now to see that there are, it's gone from just, you know, companies not having anyone who knows anything about it to entire businesses who are setting themselves up with that standard and that kind of you know spin on things in mind it's really really lovely to see yeah I know um I think it's a big thing for millennial like the millennial group it's the it's a huge this it's a millennials are like the biggest growing not explain, explain this very well but they're the biggest kind of growing group of pet owners so yeah lots of research and stats that say that you know the millen millennials are really um you know 
years ago, millennials didn't have pets. They didn't have cats and dogs. They lived in flats. They had very busy lives. Whereas now we've got flexible working. We've got, you know, social media plays a part as well, doesn't it? It it's, does, it's possible yeah. to have a dog or a cat. And we've also got the brilliant pet service industry because you can have amazing dog walkers and doggy daycares. And it's great. So young pet owners, you know, it's a really huge market. And millennials are so conscious about the environment and they want to have these boxes ticked when they're looking for products for their pet, aren't they? So Absolutely. It's a, it's a good clash. So all of those kind of things have enabled the the pet owning generation to get younger and younger. So I waited until I was, you know, late 20s to get a dog and I must have started thinking about getting a dog when I was like as soon as I'd graduated I was like right I want a dog and it still took four or five years for me to actually take the plunge because I had all of those worries like you say Rachel like who's going to look after him when I'm at work and who's going to walk him if I can't get home and that that is great and it is nice that that coincides with with the the generation that are considering sustainability and I think actually as time goes on like anything as generations um grow up you know those that are currently in primary school that's all they're ever going to know all they're ever going to understand is that you recycle everything you try and live more sustainably that you are conscious of you know your impact on the environment which is which is wonderful it's um it's really interesting and I I just I was talking to someone the other day about how we've kind of gone full circle when you think about back in the kind of 40s and 50s where plastics wasn't a thing and people use brown paper bags and it is about that and it is about understanding but it's it's that educate piece and I think that the younger people are being educated more and their eyes are open to to the impact that they have just as an individual on, on the the planet um and what their pets do too so you know that's part of their worlds it's it's great it's really good to see absolutely I was also going to say about what you were saying about the uh, the vegan box and um, Again, it ties into what I was saying before about small businesses and how they shouldn't be too hard on themselves because I don't know about you, like I'm a proper people pleaser. And if I'd have had <laughs> if I was you and I'd have got that vegan request, I'd have been like, Oh my god, I've got to do a vegan box. But then you see the <laughs> breath, don't you, and think, actually, I can't you can't be everything to everyone. You can't do everything, can you? So, no. And I will breath. I will yeah. try and be, you know, as accommodating as possible. And I'm really lucky that actually loads of my customers are really understanding because I'm not a pet nutritionist I have no yeah. qualifications in pet nutrition but I will try my damned hardest if your dog's got and they pancreatitis or Leishman's disease or you know I will find products that are that are suitable and make sure that your box is going out there but to do a completely vegan box was just I'd have to basically substitute kind of five of the six products every month and I was like Mm-mm, can't can't do it at the moment maybe in the future but you know it's 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 something that's not on my radar at the moment. <laughs> you can't do everything, can you? But you can't. About the, you know, make have the two or three goals and and stick to them and don't, you know, prioritise what your customers want. Exactly. And also, yeah, like communicating as well about with your customers and finding out what's important to them too. Like, yeah, it's really interesting. Like when when customers come back. So one of the things that I've recently, or, or kind of one of the next steps I want to take with Collar Club, um, is do a a box. So the outer box is actually closed loop so what I mean by that is it's a reusable tote that customers have their own tote it goes out to them full of stuff they send it back to me empty I refill it and we go round and round and round um and I'd love to be able to do that at the moment it's just not possible with the scales that I've got but in the three four five year plan that's absolutely something I want to do and I did a post about this and I asked my customers what else you know what else would you like to see and 
there was loads of people with loads of opinions. And I was like really excited that my customers were, you know, genuinely engaging with sustainability. It was, you know, oh, could you do this? Or, oh, could you add this? Or, oh, could you remove this from, you know, your packaging or, or whatever? Um, and I was just like, yes, it's so lovely and nice to have customers that are genuinely interested in, in your mission and your kind of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And what you were saying about educating as well, I think, I think is really important. And I think as a brand, you can do that. And if you, if you're not spreading yourself too thinly, you can educate on the packaging or the compostable or whatever is yeah. your thing. Um, like I know we spoke at the end of last year, wasn't it? So early this year, no, that was it. It was New Year's resolutions, wasn't it, about being a more sustainable pet owner? So yes. I interviewed Joe for the Sun um, for a pet column that I do, and she gave me some advice. And I was already on the, I was already on the compostable poo bags. I'd done some work with Ben from Adios Plastic, and I did yeah. some work further down the road. I was in touch with the green poop bag lady Denise. Um, I've been in touch with her for a while. Done some work for Ben, and then did some work for Denise as well. Um, and after speaking to you, and after chatting to them as well I'm like oh my god I'm obsessed with with possible food bags now <laughs> and now I'm like I can't yeah. I found some plastic ones in in a pocket the other day and I, I'm not being judgy or anything but I was just like well I just know that I wouldn't I didn't know before that I thought that that plastic bags were not so much environmentally friendly they had something on um on there that made me think they were fairly they weren't compostable. I knew that. Yeah, much. they were biodegradable. Was that, that the word? Biodegradable. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a bit of a minefield, and probably another another podcast. We topic, could do a but... whole podcast topic, yeah. couldn't we? Yeah, and and that's so. Going back to that educated piece, it's just just being not overwhelmed, but trying to take the time to to understand it. So, to give you a very brief example, biodegradable does not mean that it's better for the environment. Yeah. being compostable doesn't necessarily mean it's better for the environment it depends on your lifestyle where the product's going to end up um you know and this is the kind of things that we're not told as consumers we're not told well if that's going to go into landfill this is the best product for that or this is the best material if it's going to go in your compost bin at home absolutely you want that to be compostable so it's all about making choices based on your lifestyle like Yes, there are better choices in some things than others, but sometimes it's just it's it's so holistic and and involves so many different factors that you just need to think about logically. Okay, my poo bags are going to end up in my compost bin, not for vegetables, may I add? And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so I'm going to choose a compostable poo bag. Wonderful, brilliant. No, there might be some people that go, well, my dog only poos in the garden. So actually I'm not going to use bags at all. I'm going to put them straight in the in the compost bin. You know, there's loads of different things you can do. It's it's all about reading, educating yourself, and and hopefully that these brands that are making making waves in kind of sustainable business practices help to educate customers more so that people can just make informed choices themselves. Yeah, absolutely. When I spoke to um, Ben, he we were talking about council bins and how they could have compostable bins and normal bins. Now, I know that's probably quite a way away, but yeah. it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility, is it? It's, no, I mean, I went to, I, I was down with my family at the weekend, which was lovely because I haven't seen them for a long time. And I was absolutely gobsmacked that on the beach, which was heaving, obviously, because the weather was was great at the weekend. There wasn't, you know, a glass bin, a plastic bin a tin bin, whatever. There was just one bin. And it was, I was like, 
how in this day and age have we not got that facilities on you know on a public promenade um it needs to it needs to happen it needs we need support from the government yes into to becoming more sustainable as a nation um but as as kind of individuals there are things that we can do ourselves that are really small changes that can make quite a big difference yeah i wanted to ask you as well um do you have any kind of favorite sustainable brands that you would yeah so yeah. i'm gonna yeah so i absolutely love smug Muts. um so natalie and ben are based in the uk and they make handmade toys out of wood and hemp rope and they are just such wonderful quality toys and they're really 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 um lovely for dogs that like to have a little bit of a chew you know they're not going to splinter they're not going to break mm -hmm. off but they are they're really lovely and they do a customizable version now as well which is just adorable and then one company which um from the environmental credentials probably isn't going to be the highest on my list but from its social initiatives is is beautiful joe's Mm -hmm. So they are a collar club favourite and they're actually in this month's box. So I'm hoping this podcast doesn't go live until after they get delivered. Um, but for <laughs> every pack of Beautiful Joe's treats that um, any kind of retailer or, or consumer buys, they donate the equivalent number of packs to rescue centres around the country. So it's a one for one deal, which is just, it's lovely. It's really nice. You know, it's giving back in a different way. Um, and that all counts towards, you know, making a difference and, and a positive yeah. impact. Yeah, and that's a really good example, actually. We can get bogged down with all of the things that we feel like we need to be doing, like being vegan, but actually there are other ways to give back, aren't there? Yeah, so. there really is. So one of the Collar Club social is initiatives is is I say one of the main initiative is collars for shelters so when I started yeah. collar club hence the name collar club um I took a percentage of the profits of each box um and I bought materials which were then turned into colorful collars um by my very lovely mum who was probably sewing in very non-ethical conditions so I was like mum I need this many collars no, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding I let her have tea breaks so um that's that's kind of one of the initiatives but it's now got to the point where I'm like I need to do more than just that. And that's fine. You know, it's fine that your, your views, your goals, your mission change as your business grows. Um, you know, it's not sustainable for me to be asking my poor mum to be sewing me like 250 collars a month. Like it's not just gonna, it's, it's just crazy. So what can I do? And that's my next step. And one of my goals is to look at what other social initiatives I can, I can put the funds into to give back. So the collar club is still engaging with with the kind of social aspects of sustainability i remember writing about your collar initiative yeah about three years ago wasn't it when we it was i think i donated like 25 and now I've, i i i don't want to even think how many poor collars like uh, poor collars. i know no, she, <laughs> her fingers are you know her fingers have got holes in and all sorts from the needles <laughs> I know. no she loves it she loves sewing it's all right <laughs> oh that's good um so I know I'm just conscious of time because I know you're very busy, but I'd love to hear, like, I know you've gone from, because I know when we first chatted, as you've just said, you had 25 colours going off and now you've got 250 colours going off a month. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what's next for you and for Colour Club? And I know you're doing lots of work kind of educating. I know you've got your background, obviously, but you're obviously doing lots of work educating yourself and, um, and yeah, with the Pet Sustainability, Pet Sustainability Coalition. But, yeah, what's next for you? 
Yeah, so not quite 250 colours a month. It was hypothetical, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Getting yeah. to that scaling point. So that's the next thing, I guess, is to, to scale Collar Club. So I, uh, Collar Club is still uh, not my my main um, kind of focus. I do have a day job as well, unfortunately, but hopefully in the next 12 months it will be. Um, and I'm also really um, interested in helping other small businesses kind of on mm-hmm. their sustainability journey. So I have started a Facebook group. It's very, very tentative at the moment. There's not a lot of people in there but um to talk and basically a collaborative space for small business owners to come and say look I've got this sustainability problem let's collectively hive minds what what could be a solution so I'm up for you know if anyone's got any questions or or queries or is interested in making their business more sustainable please please hit me up and then hopefully in the future I can take all of my kind of professional experience and and the the experience from those kind of working groups and questions to do some form of consultancy to help more Mm -hmm. businesses going forward so that is what I would like to do Um, and obviously keep collar club growing and growing and growing so I can give more collars back (laughs) to to rescues um, and whatever initiative I go on to next oh absolutely love it okay Joe. well it's been absolutely fab chatting to you. Um, it's been really nice. I know you've mentioned a few things in the chat. So the Pet Sustainability Coalition, you talked yeah. about your Facebook group, um, also um, Smug Nuts and Beautiful Joes, um, and your own website as well. So what I'll do is I'll include all of those links in the blog post and show notes that go into this episode. Um, so if you're listening, if you just swipe up on your phone or have a look on my website, you'll find all of the info that you need. Um, but yeah, where can people learn? Where can people find out more about you, Joe? So uh, the best place is probably the website. So www.collarclub.co.uk. Um, and on there, there's a bit about me and um, a bit about Winston. Uh, you get to see his lovely face, but also about kind of our sustainability initiatives, where we're going um, with that and, and just any kind of information that you want. There's also contact details on there as well. If anyone has any burning questions to send to me. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Joe. It's lovely to chat as always. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.